You're listening to the Ontos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories in the pursuit of being in truth. I'm Mac. And I'm Vod. And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music. A man with a given power such as an allomantic ability who then gained a hemorrhagic spike, granting the same power would be nearly twice as strong as a natural, unenhanced allomancer. An inquisitor who was a seeker before his transformation would therefore have an enhanced ability to use bronze. The simple fact explains how many inquisitors were able to pierce copper clouds. Rune's escape deserves some explanation. This is a thing that even I had a problem understanding. Rune could not have used the power at the Well of Ascension. It was a preservation. Rune's fundamental opposite. Indeed, a direct confrontation of these two forces would have caused the destruction of both. Rune's prism, however, was fabricated of that power. Therefore, it was attuned to the power of preservation, the very power of the well. When the power was released and dispersed, rather than utilized, it acted as a key. The subsequent unlocking is what finally freed Rune. Rune's prism was not like those that hold men. He wasn't bound by bars. In fact, he could move about freely. His prison, rather, was one of impotence. In the, ter- in the terms of forces and gods, this meant balance. If Ruin w- were to push, the prison would push back, essentially rending- rendering Ruin powerless. And because much of his power was stripped away and hidden, he was unable to affect the world in any but the most subtle of ways. I should stop here and clarify something. We speak of Ruin being freed from his prison. But that is misleading. Releasing the power at the well tipped the aforementioned balance back towards Rune, but he was still too weak to destroy the world in the blink of an eye as he yearned to do. This weakness caused by part of Rune's power, his very body, having been taken and hidden from him, which was why Rune became so obsessed with finding the hidden part of himself. All right. 45, 46, 47. Back after a while. Yep. We had a couple of uh, spoiler episodes to hold hold everyone off for a little bit, but yeah, here we are. We're back, and man, those epigraphs, okay, talking about Ruin's release, talking about, wow, you know, I mean, it was confirmed, right? The Steel Inquisitors, they could find people so easily because they could just track them down. You couldn't even hide from them most of the time. That's pretty crazy. Well, and the thing is, is that... Um... This is actually something that like fooled me for a long time, even before, even after I had read it, was understanding how Ruin was taken, you know, taken over or imprisoned, because I had always, I had still kept in my mind that, oh, Ruin was stuck there because there's the power and he needed the power to be released so he could use it to break out. Um, but as you know, we can see here, the power itself that was holding him was his complete opposite. He was unable to use the power. Mm-hmm. It was the structure that was built into it. And we don't understand the nature of, you know, how gods can be imprisoned and things like that. So, yeah, um, it, it was literally just equal and opposite forces. Like when you release the power, the power dispersed. And for some reason, um, that's what like eventually got rid of it, which, you know, again, it kind of feels weird, right? Because you would think using the power up would do the same thing, but it didn't. So, yeah, yeah, I think it was more um, it, it had something to do with like intention, uh, because as Vin, I had it like 
she did something with the power that was different and and it like had like a direction at that point so i don't know all right so chapter 45 um yeah we left on a bit of a, a cliffhanger there with reen being back um but then immediately points out this looks similar to reen but this isn't reen reen died protecting her and she can tell those eyes are not his brothers so she immediately thinks oh it's Condra. It has to be a Condra. And Vin starts asking about Tensoon, and she tries to use emotional allomancy to to take control of this Condra, and nothing happens. And she realizes that Rian has allomantic pulsings. And she knows for a fact that Rian had no noble blood in her, so it was very uh, in him, so it was very unlikely that he was he was an allomancer. And so she goes to attack him, and he's dodging perfectly, and it doesn't seem like he needs coins or anything to push off to avoid her. And she's just like, what the heck is this? These pulsings, these pulsings feel like the, the pulses that led me to the Well of Ascension. And she realizes it's Rune. And Rune just tells her, you know, is ending is everything ending so bad? You know, without Rune, nothing can grow. There's a beauty in vitality. And she realizes... He goes, I've always been with you, Vin. And she hears Rean's voice in her head. And that's the end of chapter 45. 46. So Breeze and the group, or it says its point of view here now. And we're back with that whole storyline going on with Spook. And everyone wants to know how Spook has changed so much. Because he, he essentially went from, you know, he went from the, the, the kid who was just, you know, he had important roles, don't get me wrong, but he he was very much like the least important person of the crew. To now he seems to be completely leading the the efforts for this this rebellion here essentially. And Breeze points out that um what Spook did, we left off with Spook having just jumped out of the building, saving the girl and running and everyone's like, "Oh boy." And Breeze is like, what Spook did had a had an incredible psychological effect on the enemies because, you know, he jumps he jumped out of a freaking burning building on fire carrying the kid. And Breeze is like, maybe we were wrong to to ignore Spook the way we did. He seems like he has so much more to offer. And says so it's like, listen though, like a normal person couldn't have done what he did, you know? And he's like and he's trying to insinuate like computer or something a normal person could not have done what spook did and breeze is like yeah you, you never know but uh anyway says it kind of wants his metal minds back now because he's really really interested in and in how um i think we, we talked about this this last episode when we talked about it but he's like really interested in seeing how this whole survivor of the flames thing is going to pan out and how like this is going to, he's basically seeing another religion being created at this point at real in real time, in real time, the same way that he did with, uh, with Kelsier's, uh, with the survivor and stuff like that. And so he ends up getting him and he's looking through them and he ends up looking through one of these religions that ends up naming this God by Trell. And he uses him because he studied mathematics in the heavens and, uh, or the religion did, and he's starting to use that to try to continue his engineering schemes and things like that, essentially. So we get Sp Spook's point of view, and he ends up going to check on Beldred, and 
think I'm saying that right, Beldred. Mm-hmm. He um he ends up just wanting to talk to her, and Kelsier, of course, is in his ear saying that he should go in and assassinate the citizen. And he's just like, "Nah, I'm I'm here to see the girl." And she he offers to take her with him, and of course she refuses. And we jump back to Sazed's point of view, and Sazed now has his copper mines, and he's like, "Well." You know, we've never found anything on the terrorist religion. That still makes him sad. And reasons of talking to him. And he asks why Sazed doesn't wear the mines all the time anymore. And he's like, well, the metal mines are useless to modern people. You know, they don't feed people. They don't do anything. And Breeze tells Sazed he's just super confused. And he believes... Um, Essentially, Breeze says, listen... You are upset, you because he says it's thinking back to when he he was watching people starve, when he was actually trying to do his job as a keeper and teach them, and none, no one cared because they were starving. They they just needed to eat, and so now Sazed's adopted that mentality, and Breeze is like, "Listen, we're so close to the end of everything. This seems like the most important time to have knowledge. This seems like if there was a time in which we needed it the most, it is right now, and right now is when you choose to abandon it, and." You know, says it's like, eh, and Spook interrupts, and he's back, and he's giving orders, and he, he starts saying that he needs to spread rumors that Quillian's using Alamancers, and he asks about the, is there a way to, you know, engineer the waters back into the cal- uh, the canals, and says it goes, yes, you know, he was just going over Trell, the Trell's religion, or whatever that is, about how they have a stronghold on mathematics and stuff, and he's just like, well, then do it, says it, and Spooks, or says it's kind of iffy about it, and then Spook just goes like, "Listen, trust me." And yeah, that's the end of chapter uh, forty-six. So forty-seven, we get Ellen's point of view, and he he is. It's been three days since Vin was captured, and he's giving the whole spiel that Vin did, the whole spiel that Kelsier did, and he's like, "The mist hide us, protect us, they give us power," and he realizes and comes to the same conclusion Vin did when Vin chose to let him die and release the power out the well was that in the end, if he had to, if he was given the option to trade the world for Vin, he would choose the world and he would let Vin die. And he talks about how the mist just feels right and how they're swell, they're like swirling around him. And he's like, I have no street experience. I'm just nobility. But, uh, you know, I just, She's just he's just in sad boy hours, but at the same time, like the thing, the thing that's interesting here that I I like is with 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 Brandon's ring. A small tangent is the fact that like he's not going to go through the same thing Vin did. We don't have to see Ellen go. Oh my God, could I just let anything happen to her? He's just like, nope. You know, I love her to death, but like I would let her die in a heartbeat if it meant saving the world. And so he's already learned the same lesson Vin did that entire time, which is nice, but. The soldiers are relent- are just like restless and they're starting to fight with each other. And Set's kind of talking with him and is like, listen, I'm pretty sure Vin's dead. You know, um, all the surrounding villages that we sent out raiders to essentially, you know, all of them are starving too. And the soldiers even were felt so bad about <laughs> trying to raid these starving villages that most of them stayed behind to help them plant crops and help them get moving. And Set goes... You know, a year or two ago, I would have called you a fool for building your entire trust of your army on loyalty. But 
it's quite effective. <laughs> it's quite effective what, what these men are doing because they're loyal for you or loyal to you. Um, so it's like, we need to attack. And Ellen's like, what do you mean? He's just like, no, we need to attack. I recommended a siege and I thought it could work, but Lufidel's in shambles, you know, we're not, we're not getting any supplies. You know, it's not going to work anymore. We, we have to just, the only thing we can do is attack. And there's a, at this point, there's another fight and Ellen hears it and, and General Demu is trying to calm it down. And one of these soldiers ends up punching Demu and the soldier, it, it turns out the soldiers are fighting over the misfallen. That's what they're calling the people who got sick for, for an extended amount of time when being taken by the mist. And Ellen's like, dang it. We have to kill the guy. We have to, we have to execute the guy who punched Demu. And he ends up taking, ends up telling Demu to take the misfallen and go back to support Penrod. And uh, Ellen ends up going into Norton's tent and he's like, do you have all the information I asked you to gather about the, the Coloss movements and everything? And he's like, yeah. And Ellen gets to work on a plan that he has. And that's the end of 47. So this is a nice little setup for all the things going on in this next part. Uh, I think we now have this basically separated where each week we're going to kind of handle a part. Uh, so we're going to get to the end mm-hmm. of part five. Five. This week, this week we're ending part four. Part four, and yeah, then part five is the end of the book. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's <laughs> so. right. That's right. So we, you know, we're going to be finishing that up. So, but this, these chapters set everything up really, really well, but also kind of give us an idea of the stakes, um, because we're talking about how Ruin is looking for his body, mm-hmm. um, and we've had a, alluded to that he's looking for something. Uh, Marcia said like he seems to be looking for something, trying to find something. Ruin is incomplete, you know, at this point. Um, the other things that would get kind of set up is, you know, they are coming to terms about the situation that's happening in Orto, um, and Spook being him as new, you know, self in stature. Um, and Vin, uh, is realizing, and this was like the big thing that, um, every time Reen was talking, it was most likely Ruin. And if readers Gosh. have been watching us. <laughs> we have pointed out every single time uh, throughout all the books that Reen started talking to Vin. Um, we may not have said exactly what they said, because if you ever listen to what he says in the beginning, he was just saying, like, everyone will betray you, Vin. Ruthlessness is the most fa- valuable of re- of emotions. Um, when he, when she's, like, getting all set up and, you know, talking about going to go kill all those people with set, it was, like, being pushed, being pushed. And now Ruin's relaying that, yeah, that voice that was you thought was Reen, that was me. Yep. Now, from the very beginning. Now, admittedly, um, when we were talking actually in our spoiler episodes, like way back when, um, I think this is all the way back in the Final Empire, I had said, I'm pretty sure every time Reen speaks, it's Ruin. Um and we were pretty conclusive about that. Like, we were pretty like, oh, yeah, this seems like it must be ruined. But there were times when Reen would say certain things that were, like, more complete. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if she doesn't make the revelation now, she'll make it later. Like, not much later. It's, like, in the next, like, chapters or two. She said something to the effect of that couldn't, it could, Reen couldn't have always been ruined because 
you can't hear my thoughts. That's literally like the very next sentence of the next chapter. Yeah. <laughs> and if he can't hear my thoughts or assuming he can't hear my thoughts, then he must only be talking to me through action and what he sees and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, so, I mean, that was like the huge like revelation that came in right mm-hmm. afterwards. In fact, I thought it was almost bigger. Like it was, it was almost kind of weird that we ended on, oh, there's this is Rena's back. And that was the end of the part. I think it would have been bigger to say that Rena's back. Oh, actually, it's Ruin, and he's always been the voice in her head. Yeah, that would have been pretty, pretty crazy to end on. Um, yeah, I just remember. Okay, I remember like this. Like, Hero of Ages winds up punches to knock you out with the twist and surprise. And again, it's kind of like you mentioned in spoiler episodes and non-spoiler episodes. You mentioned it a ton of times, and I'm going to mention it again. You felt like. Um, or Final Empire was a great self-contained story with wonderful, you know, potential to move on to another book. Uh, well of Ascension was the stepping stone that you needed to read to have all the information for Hero of Ages to punch you in the face like it is right now yes. and knock you out. Um, clever people could have picked this up, you know. And again, but I am not clever people. Yeah, same same here. I'm not. When before I had like the like I said, I've mentioned several times before. I've had like the muscles, the flex to recognize these things and really start paying attention a whole bunch. Um these all these things were like knockout after knockout after knockout and it's probably the reason that I still consider uh Mistborn Error 1 to be my favorite fantasy series, like my favorite bit um i've ever read and but yeah it is pretty crazy to think that all the way since the beginning this has been planned right from the beginning whether or not brandon decided or was able to write another book past final empire it had all been planned that if he could this was where it was gonna lead and what's funny was i've been getting some traction on reddit whenever i bring up that i think hero of ages and well of ascension should have been one book um, and so I actually went to go look at the word counts for both books. And if you combine the word count of Well of Ascension and Hero of Ages, it's only a little bit bigger than Rhythm of War. Oh, it's so like a Stormlight book. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like on a Stormlight level, this totally could have been one book. And it would actually have the pacing of a Stormlight novel, in my opinion, because like the Battle of Luthadel would have been like, you know, a good breaking point. And then, you know, we get to Hero of Ages and it's just like, bam, bam, bam. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. And for, for our readers, when we do eventually get there, that is basically the pa- the pacing of a Stormlight novel is it's like, it's like build up, build up, build up many, many climax in the center to, to, to really grab your attention back down, you know, back down, build up, build up, build up, and we have the big climax of the book. Right. And I, I tell people like this, like people who bag on Well of Ascension, um, I go, if you've read Way of Kings, imagine Way of Kings being split into two books. Way of Kings has a very, very good climax. Mm-hmm. But oh, could you imagine oh that gosh, yeah. book without the climax? It's so slow. The yeah. first half? Yeah, no, no. If it, if it would have ended on the first, again, can't say anything, don't want to spoil right. anything, but if it would have ended on the first climax, which I think we both can kind of understand what, what that is in, in Way of Kings, if that would have been a book right there, it might have lost me. Yeah. I might have been like, that's really all I got out of this entire buildup. Right, and, it was, it, and they're very long novels. Um, but, I mean, that's my point, is like, you know, Way, Way of Kings was very slow, but Brandon even says in his... Um, in his uh, uh, lectures he's like 
when you become a writer, he's like, people will learn to trust you. And so, mm-hmm. like, I have a level of trust. No, you know that I'm going to close. Yeah. I'm going, right, exactly. Like, it's going to be a slog. And if you don't trust me, you're not going to expect that there's going to be a light at the end of this tunnel. But if you do, then you know that there's something coming up. And Brandon has successfully paid off pretty much every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when I went through Way of Kings, I kind of felt that way because Way of Kings was like the biggest. I remember Book. I remember telling you that. I remember you kept asking me questions while finishing Mistborn and I'm like, "Listen, you by the time you get to Way of Kings, right? This I think you I think you said it in one of our first episodes ever when we were describing what this is. You're like, imagine a 24-hour book payoff. Imagine a 48-hour payoff book." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm telling you. Imagine a 48-hour payoff book, a 50-hour. We're doing it based off the audiobooks because that's how kind of we went through right. it." Right. Uh, but imagine like a 50-hour payoff book. And I was telling you, he always closes. He always closes. You're always going to be happy with the ending you get. Right, right. And, you know, we're, we're seeing, like, all these things, like, starting to come together now in, in Hero of Ages that have been built on and, and you know, sprinkled on, you know, throughout the throughout all the other books. Um, one of the, the things I, wanted, I was going to point out was the uh, soldier that gets executed is the soldier that um Kelsier had to move fights uh in the pits in the hideout in the, in, yeah, in in the final caves. empire yeah in the caves when he used his um his uh allomancy to help demu go um mm-hmm. that was the same soldier and remember he was Kelsier wanted him to kill him and he and it was demu fighting Kelsier from killing him um so anyway, that's just a little fun fact that we kind of come full circle when it, when it comes to all that. Brendan's good about that too. Even his background characters normally come full circle at some point, right? And it's like it's like if you get named, um, then it's like you, it's almost like you're going to show up at some point. Is yeah. that's what it feels like sometimes? Yep. It's not it's not a hard and fast rule, but especially if it's someone pivotal like that that was like at a moment you're like, oh, they're probably going to show up again. Otherwise, they're named Doug. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah because i was gonna i was gonna say we already pointed out like look at gordell right gordell, gordell right gordell was the was the the soldier that vin spared and basically was like you don't have to fight me you can just go and she brought ellen to come help she uh in, in the first book and now here he is and he's playing a pretty integral spark part as basically the leader of the soldiers who are reporting directly to Spook Breeze and Sazed. Right. And and that's the funny thing is like when you uh, you pointed it out to me a long time ago, uh, like when he sh- he shows up kind of like here. I mean, he shows up a ton in Hero of Ages. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I was like, oh, that was the guy. That I didn't, was the guy, yeah. I didn't even know he showed up again because I just missed it. I just missed that he was there because it's, it's almost like a throwaway line. Like it's like, oh, yeah, this is the guy. You know, he, he mentions it like in passing like one time, I think, in Hero of Ages. Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of meant to remember it um and i just think that's cool that's why we keep trying to bring it up every time it comes up all right uh yeah once that uh i think the only thing else i wanted to talk about was again a little bit more on the epigraphs with the the prison and everything it's so weird how this is going so with uh with 47 we've we realized the epigraph 47 we realize now that Ruin is obsessed with finding his body. Does that mean that the body is something physical that they need to find? Or what do you think that could be? 
I mean, when we look at all these things, um, it's funny because didn't they say something earlier like they do not inhabit bodies the way that we do? Yeah, uh, that they're energy and they're this and that. Um, but we've but they saw. Remember, like 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 in the epigraphs, it says like Vin saw ruin, right? The shadow and yeah. things like that. Um, and so it's clear that it can manifest in some way. Right, um, yeah, the shadow, the shadow, and the well of ascension, and everything that was just kind of hovering there. Right, because yeah. ruin is like a power. You know, they say he's a power. You know, it is a power. Whatever he, it um, is a power, um, and it manifests in you know many different ways, and at least is able to like very obviously manifest in ways like where we see, um, you know, him talking, you know, having visual, you know, showing up to to people. Um, you know, in this case, he shows up to look like Rain, um, mm-hmm. but it's an illusion, right? Like, it, it's presumably, it's like in your head. Um, like you're just kind of like you're able to see it, but I don't think anyone else can see it. Um, and so when we talk about a body, uh, we're talking about like a portion of ruin. Well. If we think of like the ways that um, power has manifested so far, we've got like the well of ascension was mm-hmm. the power of preservation, I know, or a part of the power of preservation manifested as a pool. Um, and so presumably there's like a power of ruin that manifests in some way. A well of destruction. A well of destruction. Yeah, that'd be interesting. But uh, I think that's a good place to end. And I think we can be going and moving forward. We are going to learn... Uh, a little bit more about Ruin's influence over Vin and kind of see again how Spook continues to take the lead and Seiza decides that he might be a man worth following. Hey everyone, Vod here. Please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes Monday through Friday. If you enjoy listening, consider subscribing. We are a very small project, so please support us with likes and comments. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ontos. That's patreon.com slash O-N-T-O-S. Thanks again, and remember, our sentience depends on you.